This week on A Glint of Mischief, What Stories Letters May Tell, a manor mystery novella by Judah Lamy. A butler has many jobs. However, solving a crime is not normally on the list. A manor in chaos, a family turning against each other, and a dinner that still needs to be ready on time. I'm Judah Lamy. Welcome to A Glint of Mischief a weekly podcast where you get to preview some of the great indie books out there. Each episode is a reading of the first chapter of an independently published book, available to buy right now. So, let's get to the reason we are all here, yes? What Stories Letters May Tell by Judah Lamy Chapter 1 Nothing existed for James Frost. Nothing but the story. He read the few remaining words before flipping to the last wordless sheet of paper in the book. It was over. Taking a deep breath, he leaned his head back against the stone wall of the window seat. Letting his breath out in a sigh, James set the book down and took off his glasses. Sadness and joy swirled inside him in equal measure. Joy at how the story had ended, and sadness that it was over. This was far from a new feeling, and it faded as he looked out the window and cast his thoughts onto the next book he was planning to read. Outside the window, the wind blew a stray creeper of ivy, knocking it gently against the glass as if politely requesting entrance. This particular window seat was in a spiraling stairwell on the fourth floor of the Brodier Mansion. It was James's favorite spot to read, as it had both excellent lighting and an unrivaled view of the front lawn. Immaculately kept grass rolled out from the front of the mansion, a sea of green dotted with islands of poplar trees and well-tended flower beds. Slowly, winding over and through it all, was a white stone automobile path. That path called his name louder every day for James Frost had only five days before that path would finally pull him away from the only life he had ever known. While his livelihood here had many perks, being a houseman of such a large manor was no easy task. Many of the estates of this size had house servants overseen by a housekeeper and a butler working together. James's duty required he be both and thus his days were unusually anything but relaxing. Despite the hectic nature of his position, he would not have traded the opportunity to serve Agatha Brodier for anything. She was a standalone woman, and an honor to work for. This estate had been his home growing up, the son of a groundskeeper and a cook. He started out working as a hall boy, and earned his way up the servants' ranks to the coveted first footman job. Then, two years ago, on his 31st birthday, Agatha had put him in charge of everything, and he had done his best ever since. That did not mean that he was without the occasional bout of mischief. A fault James's mother had blamed on his father, who, while he had taught young James to be respectful, also taught him how entertaining honey could be when used improperly. Agatha let him get away with just about anything, with naught but an eye roll and the occasional good-natured glare. Running his hands through his hair, James realized that he would need to get it cut soon. It was longer than he normally wore it, 
hanging nearly to his eyes. Black at its roots, fading through a hundred shades of gray to end in pure white tips. A white that was not from age, but more a flight of fancy James had been struck with. He thought that it would be intriguing to have white hair, and that was one word that could be used to describe it, but not the one he would use now. Slowly, his eyes were drawn back to the path, to his destiny. Five days until he left to join the military. War was imminent, and when it broke out, everyone who was able to hold a gun would be needed. It hadn't taken much thought to work out that those who came willingly, before they were needed, would have a much better time of it than those who had to be conscripted later. Besides, James knew his way around a rifle, and given the chance to show it, there was more than a middling chance he would gain some respect. A glimmer of reflected light on the path drew James out of his contemplation. Only five days, and yet that was comparatively far away. He'd be run off his feet until then. Agatha Brodier was a widow. Most of the year this home held only her, her orphaned granddaughter Kaylin, and the house staff. However, once a year, all the Brodier heirs would return from their travels and scattered homes for a week at their childhood estate. For the next five days, these idyllic grounds would be a non-stop bustle of noise, emotions, and drama. He knew that this tradition was meant to bring the family closer together, and yet it seemed that each year was more of a disaster than the one before. Though, this gathering would have to be truly spectacular to outdo the scandal that shook the home last year. A twisted smirk pulled at James's mouth as a line from one of his books came to mind. Nothing corrupts a good heart as fast as money and power. Agatha was a kind-hearted and loving woman, one of the few exceptions to the quote. It had long nagged at James how such ill-behaved and rotten-hearted people could ever be related to such a marvelous woman. Movement on the path caught his attention again, and leaning over he craned his neck to get a better view. An automobile pulled out of a stand of trees that surrounded the end of the path and slowed to a stop in front of the estate. Sleek, polished, and pristine could describe both the automobile and the man who stepped out of it. If you took all the charm out of a vulture and gave it a top hat, you would be left with Addison Brodier. He turned sharply and began to bark instructions at his servants, who were starting to unload the vehicle. Addison had been a commander in the military after joining in his late twenties. It had been a spiteful move against his mother Agatha at the time, but had turned into quite a career for him. As it turned out, rich snobs joining up to spite their parents was quite in fashion, and he had made more than his share of friends. Having money to throw around and knowing the right people had helped slip a few undeserved medals onto Addison's uniform. He was now in his early fifties, and had retired with friends in high places, as he often liked to brag about. James suspected the most action he had seen were card games in smoke-filled barracks, chumming up with other fancy types. 
The elder Brodier so loved his military past that even here at a simple family gathering, he wore a stiff military officer's coat. On his chest and right shoulder hung the silver signs of his rank, connected by a thin chain. It was a ridiculous thing to wear out and about, but no one would say it to his face. Stepping out of the automobile next was a figure obscured by an overly large red hat. It would be Ruby, Addison's wife. And if Addison were a vulture, she was a ferret. Though James had to admit she was a very attractive ferret. But there were some things that looks just couldn't balance out. Ruby wasn't the treacherous kind to stab you in the back. She was the kind that looked you in the eye with a grin as she slowly stabbed you in the gut. Once, James had made a joke to Agatha that if she wanted a peaceful gathering, she should lose Ruby's invitation. An automobile horn sounded from down the path, scaring a small flock of finches into the air. Two vehicles were on the lane. The one in the lead was driving at a painfully slow pace, while the second car was following close enough to risk an accident. Apparently, the Brodier siblings couldn't even say hello before they started their feuding. Addison and Ruby stood watching the other vehicles approach until they finally stopped. Thus, all the Brodier children came home to roost, seemingly in one large flock. Ducking out of the car that had been in the lead was the youngest Brodier, Evie. After her eloped marriage, her name now was Evie Delmar, though a Mr. Delmar was nowhere in sight, nor would he be. It wouldn't surprise James at all if Evie's husband had forgotten he was married. Evie was wild and impetuous, and had married for no other reason than her mother had said she shouldn't. Mr. Delmar was a businessman of middling money, and he didn't meddle in Evie's affairs, so James guessed Evie didn't mind if the flames of love were nothing more than the last flickers of a match, and that moment right before it burnt your fingers. This left only Orson Brodier, who slunk into the sunlight with one hand over his eyes and a rumpled suit that spoke of a long night with unsavory company. From this distance, James couldn't hear what was being said, but Orson must have attempted a verbal jab at Evie or her driver, because she waved at hand at him and put on a show of laughing demurely. Orson Brodier was a creature of the night, and it was always hard for him to adjust to being awake with normal people. Even now, he hurried inside to escape the wicked and malicious sun. All of the Brodier heirs came with their own footmen and drivers, bolstering the invading force's numbers, yet there were no children with them. Be it priorities, fate, or rebellion, neither Addison, Evie, or Orson had children of their own. Looking back to his book and his glasses lying on its cover, James briefly wished that he could stay here and read it again instead of facing the nightmare that was sure to be mounting below. But duty got the better of him, and he slid off his window seat and started down the stairs. Something caught his eye while walking past the archway to the third floor. Standing at a window, looking out upon the arriving heirs, stood Kalin. 
Many things had happened over the years that were no longer spoken of in the manor. One of which was Agatha's daughter Elizabeth, second oldest but favorite of nearly everyone. Wise and honest enough to earn the admiration of Agatha, and yet witty and clever enough to earn the begrudging respect of her siblings. It was perhaps the nearly unanimous opinion that she would inherit the bulk of the estate that had left the family so rudderless when she had died in childbirth. For much of her life, Kaylin had been an animated and creative child. As she grew older, James had watched her fade in the shadow of her mother's tragedy. There were the tearful looks that Agatha gave her in those moments that Kaylin reminded her of Elizabeth, not to mention the jabbing comments of her uncles and aunts, which had only gotten worse as Kaylin grew older and now stood to inherit over them. Agatha had never been a stickler for the rules, and she would have no problem giving the bulk of her estate to a grandchild while her children yet lived, a fact they were all too aware of. It was perhaps this pressure that had led Kaylin down her dark path, the particulars of which had only come to light last year, and had just as quickly become one of those many things that was not spoken of in the Brodier estate. Since then, Kaylin had been as quiet as a growing rose, and seemed to more haunt the estate than live in it. She was now a husk of herself, a beautiful ghost. That was What Stories Letters May Tell. If you want to find out what happens next, you can find it on Amazon.com for 99 pennies. It is also available on Kindle Unlimited. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the story. And if you like the idea of this podcast and want it to grow, you can take a moment and rate and review it wherever you got this podcast. If you want to keep up to date on the news for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Glen of Mischief. Or there is a mailing list over on our website, you guessed it, glenofmischief.com. The mailing list is also how you can find out when our submission windows are open, if you are interested in getting your book on the podcast. Or, if you're just crazy about this and think it's the best thing ever, and spreading the word and being part of the mailing list just isn't enough, I mean, I do have a Kofi account. Also, Glint of Mischief. <sighs> it's where you can buy me a cup of light roast Colombian. You know, to keep me awake so I can keep reading all these stories here. Well, until next time, see you around. <laughs>